0: Dr. L. Carol Scott, welcome to the conversation today.
1: Thank you, John. I'm so glad to be here.
0: It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from Texas. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah, and uh, due to do some uh, some internet challenges, we've uh, decided to just keep your video off so we can have a more uh, seamless recording time together. But I would encourage the audience, you know, to connect with uh, Carol on her LinkedIn and, and whatnot, um, so that you can uh, see what she looks like and learn more about her. Um, as we get started today, I do want to do a little introduction. And today we're going to be talking about using self-aware success strategies, or SASS, SAS, to expand human capital. Dr. L. Carol Scott is a trauma-informed developmental psychologist, TEDx speaker, coach, and number one international bestselling author. And she brings... SAS Self-Awareness Success Strategies to help you get along better on the adult playgrounds where you play. I think that's wonderful. Carol, anything else you would like to share by way of your background or personal context before we dive on into the conversation?
1: No, I think that really does a nice job of capturing it for people who don't know what a developmental psychologist is. That's a person with expertise in child and human development.
0: Yeah, excellent. Excellent. So let's start with self-awareness. Um, we live in a day and an age where I think leaders need to have more compassion, more empathy, um, to be successful in the work that they do. And in my mind, that really starts with a foundation of self-awareness, both for personal success, but also to, dri- to drive team and organizational success. Um, so explain from, to us, uh, from your perspective, from this, uh, developmental psychology perspective, why self-awareness is so important and how we can go about starting to develop greater levels of self-awareness.
1: Great. First question, John. Thank you. Um, And I'm I'm going to start actually with a little bit of a paraphrase explanation of something that Dr. Uh, Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood said, and that is that the best way to get along with other people is to accept them as they are all of their beauties, all of their flaws, the facade they put forward, as well as the things that they hide, the messy, the ugly, the beautiful. And the only way to do that is to do that first with ourselves. And so if I can't comfortably acknowledge with self-aware honesty, That I hide things from people, for example, that I often put forward the best foot, the best face, um, Mm -hmm. and that I'm not being entirely honest. If I can't share with someone the times when I feel uh, really angry or really um, low, sad, despairing, as well as the times when I'm excited, enthusiastic, feeling innovative and productive, then I cannot accept those things in other people. And that's the heart. Of self-awareness is that it brings us to a point of being able to be aware of others. And in terms of how we begin with self-awareness, you know, I think it starts with looking honestly at our patterns of behavior whenever we can and finding people in our lives who will be honest mirrors for the blind spots. Because we all have blind spots and the blind spot is a blind spot. You can't it, it's behind you, but other people looking at you often can. And so people who have compassion for that blind spot, who are willing to care about you and tell you in a caring way, instead of bringing shame and blame and judgment to it can really help us gain self-awareness.
0: Yeah. And those blind spots are tough. I mean, it's they're blind, right? Mm -hmm. And so the reality is we have to very purposely try to take away those blind spots by surrounding us with people who can help us to better understand um, where, where we're coming from in, in the Mm -hmm. business world. Sometimes we talk about this as the Jihari window. I don't know if you're familiar with that framework, Um, but essentially we're trying to, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a four quadrant system. And we're trying to expand the area that is known to ourselves and known to others. And we want to reduce the the areas that are unknown to ourselves and unknown to others. And as we do that, um, you know, we increase our known window and we reduce the mm. hidden window. Uh, mm. And ultimately, those, those hidden spots, the, the, the spots that we can't know, they get reduced simply because we're proactively fostering that self-awareness. We're proactively fostering that transparency with those around us and surrounding ourselves with people who can tell it straight, right? And who can mm. tell us um, what we may be missing. And if, if we surround ourselves with sycophants and people who only tell us what we want to hear, that is like a recipe for failure. Um, cause ultimately your, your hidden window is just going to get larger and larger and larger. Like people aren't going to know what they don't know. And you're just going to have these massive blind spots.
1: That's, that's a terrific model. I love the sound of it. It's not one I'm familiar with. And I also am really aware that when I am not self-aware, when I'm just behaving in my habitual learned patterns, then I am allowing other people to define what I am, who I am, what I think, what my opinions are, what my emotional state is. They're interpreting my patterns of behavior, the exterior observable stuff. They're interpreting it to mean things about me that maybe it doesn't really mean. And until I'm aware of how what's driving those patterns, which, by the way, it's mostly about early brain development from birth to three, which we don't even remember in our lives, you know, until, excuse me, until I'm more self-aware, I'm just simply letting other people decide who I am. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It yeah. doesn't sound and, like and a recipe for success in life. No, <laughs> no. Me. And,
0: and, and like you said, if, if we want to foster this within our teams, if, if we want more, I mean, mm. I think most people do, they want, they want others around them to be like a self-aware individuals. How many times are, are we walking around and we see someone just doing something so stupid um, and you're like, oh, that person has no emotional intelligence. That person has no self-awareness. Mm. They're, they're saying something incredibly insensitive or incredibly, um, you know, hurtful or damaging or just, or just tone deaf, you know? Um, yes. and how often do we see that happen? And, and of course we all want those around us to be self-aware. How often do we all take the time to, to reflect on how self-aware are we? Do we, mm. do we think we're incredibly self-aware where everyone else around us is not? Uh, I think yes. That is something that a lot of people assume. They think, I, you know, I, I spend time in my own head. I'm self-aware. Other people <laughs> aren't. Uh, and the reality is we all have blind spots and we all have to be very, very proactive. And we can't promote self-awareness in those around us and have a more healthy team and workplace environment unless we first start with ourselves. Uh, so I love that quote that you shared from, um, from Mr. Rogers at the beginning. Um, okay. So tell us now a little bit more about the, the self-aware success strategies framework and how okay. that connects with human capital.
1: So these are seven social and emotional intelligence assets that bring us to really high competence in relationships as adults whether those relationships are at home at work or in a wider community you know service work church etc um and they are all seven developmentally programmed into us in our first seven years of life. I've picked out a kind of highlight of development from each of the first seven years. So we learn uh, our baseline for trusting other people to meet our needs, trust in our first year. In our second year, we gain what I call independence, which is Mm -hmm. awareness that I over here am thinking and feeling and wanting these things. And you're over there and you're different from me. Mm -hmm. That's fundamental, and we mess that one up a lot with our American parenting, our U.S. parenting. The third success strategy is what I call faith, and that confuses some people, but what I really mean is the ability to believe in the impossible, to
0: Mm -hmm. believe
1: in things not proven, not seen, and therefore to dream, imagine, and as an adult, innovate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The fourth strategy, which we can gain at the age of four, Um, And boy, if you've ever met a four year old, this one will resonate. I call negotiation. (laughs) And it's the ability to get what I want without Mm -hmm. stepping on what other people want. It's the birth of win win problem solving. The five year old is about vision. It's about. Um, leadership around a particular idea. It's about having a goal that is specific and doable, not an impossible dream like the three-year-old thinking they can grow up to be a unicorn, but let's build a, a spaceship and launch it. Let's build a rocket ship. That's something that a five-year-old would think of. And, but the, the key to vision is you're enrolling other people in your vision. You're being a leader. At six, we learn how to compromise. We learn that, okay, I want all these 10 things. Gosh, it looks like 30 people around me want about 10 things apiece. We're not all going to get what we want in entirety. And so what mm-hmm. am I willing to let go of? And it's the beginning of being values-based in our decision-making, knowing that I value this thing I want more than that thing I want, so I can let go of that thing and let you have one of yours. And then finally, by seven, we're learning uh, to incorporate what I call acceptance, which is essentially just living with life as it is not trying to uh, certainly trying to change the things that I can change that are mine and my control, but not grousing about and um, resisting the things that I can't change. Look, this is life happening in front of me right now. It is cold. It is snowing. The traffic is bad. People are not cooperating. And if I can just accept that that's true, instead of being angry about it and resistant to it, then I can work with it, I can do something about it. And I, I often like to say that this is also the age at which we first discover that bad things happen to good people. And worse, for a seven year old, and maybe for us too, is that good things happen to bad people. (laughs) unfair (laughs) it is so unfair but living with the unfairness of life i i whatever your metaphor is for life whether it's a ferris wheel that goes around and around or a a road that goes up and down or a fair you know whatever you see as the ups and downs the ins and outs of life just accepting that that's the way it is instead of feeling angry about it all the time
0: yeah yeah it is out of out of our control, and, and okay. bad things happen to good people. Good good things happen to bad people. The problem of evil is something philosophers have thought about for eons, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. For millennia, and uh, we're, I don't think we're going to get uh, an answer to that one anytime soon. Right. Well, very good. Uh, so, utilizing those um, that that framework and those approaches mm-hmm. that can help us to to foster more self awareness. Now, how how have you seen organizations and leaders utilizing the self-awareness success strategies to to really enhance and expand upon their human capital capabilities?
1: You know, one of the things that I like to really emphasize whenever I talk to any audience um, or coach anyone is that relationships are the essence of life. Being Mm -hmm. able to get along with and work cooperatively with and make things happen with other people is the heart of who we are. We don't get any, any kind of success in life unless we do it with other people. Everybody likes to think that they're the lone ranger and making things happen on their own, but I rarely, I don't think I've ever met one in, in real life. Right. So
0: yeah.
1: um, whether you're a CEO working with a, a team in the C-suite or you're a middle manager working with a team of frontline workers or you're a teacher who's working with children and their parents or you're a police officer who's working with mentally ill people on the street, all of those take a, an understanding of yourself as a being and how you interrelate with other people, how you gain cooperation, how you um, can put forward your ideas in a way that they can be heard. So it's one thing to talk and it's another thing to be heard. And so um, in the coaching and the writing and the training that I do, what I emphasize is, look, you do all the things you do as habitual patterns rising out of brain wiring that happened before you were mem- before you can remember we know now in developmental psychology which we didn't know for a long time in my early years of study that the brain is actually created the architecture of the brain is built after we're born and so you come in with your hardwiring is for your sensory organs to be hooked up to the brain and bring you data and after that it's all about getting data and interpreting them And the Mm -hmm. rest of your brain wiring, all the other uh, parts of your neural network are created after that. And about 85% of your brain architecture is built by the time you're three. So the way you were treated as an infant, the Mm -hmm. way they responded to your crazy toddler behavior, the way they listened to those big dreams about being in a unicorn or, you Mm -hmm. know, whatever you thought you could do and how they fostered those capacities in you, that's all about, that's the heart of who you are today. And that's, you developed a lot of, um, either you develop those strategies or you develop what I call the creative alternatives. So for example, if a toddler isn't allowed to be their independent self, and they've got sort of my way or the highway parents who'd keep telling them, don't think like that, don't feel that, don't do that, don't want that thing. Um, then what they do is they develop creative alternatives like codependence like hyper-dependence, like I, if you can't learn to trust other people to meet your needs as an infant, then you learn that you're on your own and you can't lean on anybody. Neither of those is an effective way to approach adult relationships. Mm-hmm. So I focus on what's your, be- your pay- behavior pattern and how can we from that interpret the brain wiring that needs to be redone, if you will.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and I, I guess that gets back to one of the core things I know you talk a lot about, and that is uh trauma-informed approaches. Mm-hmm. Um what you were just describing, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean there is trauma in your childhood, but certainly um, you know, there's often trauma to be impacted later in mm-hmm. life, you know, from these develop these early developmental years that we have no control over, that largely shape who we are, how we process the world, how we interact with those around us. Um And in this day and age where, you know, there's so much, you know, mental health um yeah. issues, challenges, anxiety, depression, um generally speaking in the populace, but in the workplace, like, it's yes. something that leaders are more aware of now than I think they were pre pandemic, you know, that the fact is, we have lots of people that are struggling. And uh, if we want to have successful workplaces, if we want to have successful teams, we have to find a way to meet people where they're at, we have to find a way to, you know, to foster the holistic health of our people, which includes Mm. mental health, right. And a big part of that is, you know, stuff that was out of our control from our childhood. So tell us a little bit more about, you know, this, this trauma informed approach that leaders can take, you know, what that means, and, and how we can take it in a responsible, proactive, and healthy way within our teams?
1: Great question. And I I really do want to differentiate. I love the point that you're making that some things that happen for us when we're young are difficult, problematic, but they're not traumatic, but they still can shape behavior that's not helpful to us as adults. There's a, a set of 10 identified adverse childhood experiences that are certainly traumatic. Three types of abuse, physical, sexual, and emotional. Two types of neglect, physical and emotional, and then five family dysfunctions, um, things like an alcoholic or drug addicted caregiver, a caregiver who is uh, violent with another caregiver in our presence, um, the loss of an adult caregiver mm-hmm. by divorce or death. Um, so those are three out of the five, and so those things we know, those adverse childhood experiences, those are traumatic. They have a definitive not just shaping effect, they define brain development in a way that makes it difficult for us to be healthy, interactive humans. And then there's this whole other huge category, way more than 10, of sort of missed opportunities, you know, adults treating children out of their own um, inability to see uniqueness, I would say. So Mm -hmm. if I didn't realize, if I didn't learn at two, that I'm over here being me and you're over there being you. It's awfully hard to let a toddler over there be them because, you know, they're humans learning how to be human and they don't have any breaks. They are literally wild beasts at two. And so instead of helping tame them, helping them tame themselves, helping them learn self-regulation, self-governance, we tell them that they're terrible. We label them as beasts. We... Um, I have heard a dad one time call his toddler a bully. Oh. And that's not helpful. <laughs> that's, <laughs> it's, totally, it's not traumatic for that kid, but it's definitely not helpful. So when we're put into a small frame by the adults who care for us and raise us and teach us when we're young, when we're put into a small frame that's defined by their own past, it's very difficult for us to actually become, manifest the glorious uniqueness that we bring. Because everybody comes in with gifts and develops gifts and skills and talents. And if all we're trying to do is please the people and keep their love. See, this is the thing. Mm -hmm. When you're one, two, three years old, the disapproval of your adults means to you that they will abandon you and you will die. You think Mm -hmm. that when they're angry with you, it means they stop loving you and you can't tell the difference when you're little. And so we adapt and curve ourselves and wrap ourselves around the need to be... Protected, and taken care of, and that means sometimes then that we don't get seen for who we really are.
0: Is it reasonable? Is it is it possible that leaders and managers can effectively deal with this? Um, like mm. what 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 is? If you were to leave us like with one practical thing, you know, as we think about trauma informed self awareness as a leader, how we foster that. You know what can a leader do who's not a mental health professional who who you know isn't um, you know they don't mm. have the expertise to to deal with the the nuances and the complexities of of childhood traumas or 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 just you know challenging situations. Um, yet we all want to have productive workplaces. We want psychologically healthy places to work. We want to to meet people where they're at and and help people in their holistic health. What, mm-hmm. what would be that one to two things you would say that leaders can do um, even if they don't have, you know, a lot of training in this area?
1: I think two very key things first look to yourself, do your work, become more self-aware, look at the patterns you have, reflect on your own trauma, your own, your parents missed opportunities to support you being who you are. Number one, be clear, be a clear um example of self-awareness and of humility as a human being, humbleness as a human being. And the second one is to draw a clear demarcation between patterns of behavior that are not helpful in the workplace And the psychological underpinnings. I I remember once telling I was the CEO of a nonprofit that was statewide in Missouri for a while. And I remember saying to one of my staff, look, I can help you with the fact that you do XYZ in your interactions with our colleagues on this team. Mm -hmm. What I can't help you with is the fact that you may want to think about some therapy or some other kind of modality of healing for yourself. That's not my job with you. But Mm -hmm. underneath these patterns, it looks to me like you've got some self-awareness work to do and encourage them to do it. I mean, you can't force them, (laughs) but you can keep addressing the behavior patterns and clearly and um, objectively and non-defensively and without blame and shame. Say, this is what's happening. When this happens, you do this. And that doesn't work here.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well said. Carol, this has just been a great conversation. I know the time I need to let you go. Um, As we wrap things up, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you and find out more about your work. And then give us a final word on the topic for today.
1: Okay. Um, Best way to get to me and all my social channels is through my website, lcarolscott.com. And um I welcome you to watch some of the videos that I have on my YouTube channel about topics like how to stop being defensive. That's a good one. that's mm. very popular. Um, and I you know, I think the the word to finish with is um, peace, oddly because when I gain self-awareness, there's a huge amount of peace that comes with that. I'm not worried anymore about, what I'm doing and the fact that I might be harming other people or that I'm might be um, misrepresenting myself. There's Mm -hmm. peace in knowing when I'm self-aware, I know who I am and I know what I'm putting out into the world and I stop worrying.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well said, Carol, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I encourage the audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Carol can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the podcast. We hope you stay healthy and safe and please join us again soon.